You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Scripture reading today is John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. It's found on page 888 of your pew Bible. Let's pray. Almighty Father and Sovereign Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would help us today to receive your word, that you might reveal it to our hearts and and minds in a way that we might humbly accept in our simpleness the brilliance of what you have for us. And your will be done. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samarians. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get, the, get that living water? And you greater than our father, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. The Word of God for the people of God. So Jesus is tired. It's the middle of the day. He's traveling and his disciples go off to get food while he rests. 
Um, the Word truly became flesh. It became flesh that gets weary and tired and thirsty. So he's sitting there, and a very unusual thing happens. Um, they're in Samaria, um, which is, you know, uh, they, they have no dealings with the Jews, we hear. Uh, this is because the two kingdoms uh, of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom had divided after King Solomon's death and had been enemies for a long time. At some point, the Samaritans built an alternative temple at this mountain of Gerizim, which this area is just at the base of. And so they had alternative worship going on. There were, there were differences, um, many things with their worship. And, and ultimately, um, just as the southern kingdom had been taken into exile in Babylon, the northern kingdom had been conquered by Assyria. And what they had done is, rather than exiling them, is they tended to mix people. They would have different nations moved around with the idea that they would intermarry and begin to swap religion. And so the, the Jews in Jerusalem, and, and they looked at Samaritans as half Jewish not quite fully. Their religion was a mixture. They had an alternative thing, and so they did not care for one another. And so here is Jesus. He's sitting there, and very unusually, a Samaritan woman comes to draw water in the middle of the day, um, which is not the best time to be out working. Um, normally, the women would gather um, in the morning or in the evening, she seems to be avoiding being around others. And she comes what was probably a further away, from, well, that was further away from um, the rest of the village. She's avoiding people, but she meets Jesus. And Jesus asks her for some water. And she's kind of surprised that he talks to her. So how is it that you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan and a woman? And John has now set us up with an amazing contrast with, from the last encounter he had. The last encounter was with Nicodemus at night, a very educated leader of Jewish men, uh, very religious, very pure, very educated. He comes to Jesus with a question, and there's a discussion about spiritual life. And now here is a woman who would have been an outcast, who would have not had the education of a rabbi, uh, in the middle of the day, avoiding people rather than seeking their praise and applause. But like all of us, they both need Jesus. And Jesus finds her and meets her and starts the conversation. So... He doesn't get into a discussion about differences. He just says, um, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for something to drink. You would have asked me for living water. Living water, uh, it, it, there's a play on words or there's a double meaning here because living water is water fed from a spring. It's not water that's caught and stored. It's a spring under this well. It's living, it's moving, it's fresh. And it was good to have in this dry, arid climate. And so she notices he doesn't have a bucket. He said, 
she would give her living water. And so she knows he's not talking about just this well. She states the obvious. You don't have uh, a bucket. The, wa- the well is deep. Where are you going to get this from? Are you greater than Jacob? As she stands at Jacob's well. And Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. We all thirst. We all have a need. We all have a longing for something. It's built into who we are. We want and we desire and we need and we pursue it in many different ways. But the promise is that he says he gives us living water. He gives water that wells up to eternal life that would never make you thirst again. And she hears this and like any of us would say, sir, give me this water. Give me, give me this what quenches a thirst, what would make me never long again, which would mean I would never have to continue working and coming back to the well every day to get what I need. Jesus recognized she's asking for it and says, go get your husband. She says she has no husband and Jesus tells her everything about her. Indeed, you don't, you've had five. And the man you're with now is not your husband. I I think suddenly Jesus reveals her spiritual longing because we all have that need we all are thirsty we all have a longing and like the woman at the well each one of us look for it to be filled in different ways other than Jesus maybe for you the way you try to fill that thirst is in relationships romantic relationship family relationship some sort of relationship where if you're accepted and received you feel secure and you feel like everything's okay and you're trying to get uh, maybe people's applause maybe people's acceptance but some way you're looking like this woman was looking for a man for security for meaning for purpose and and it wasn't working she was maybe handed off maybe used maybe herself moving on to the next best thing. But either way, it was coming to the well and getting something but not being filled and having to come back to the well again and come back to the well again, but always remaining thirsty. And so maybe you're trying to fill that that longing and that desire in you with maybe just mindless pleasure, zoning out at Netflix or scrolling through your phone for hours on end, just mind going away, or maybe more exciting pleasures. Maybe for you it's achievement, and you work, and you work, and you work, and that that rush of accomplishing something, and people saying, well done, you've done a good job, and and seeking your fulfillment in in the work you do. Or maybe doing good for others, and having that that being needed by others. I, I don't know what it is you're drinking, But all of us try to fill that thirst with something. And if you look in your heart, it's revealed pretty quickly when when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're about to give up, when you've just had long and you just need to numb the pain and distract your attention. What is it you try to fill that thirst with? 
What is it you tend to go to? Do you close the room and go to things on the computer you don't need to be looking at? Do you go to other things that just shut your mind off and numb from the world for a few minutes? That's the, what you're trying to fulfill, that void, that thirst. And you know it temporarily satisfies the stress. It temporarily shuts things down, but you know it doesn't satisfy because you have to return to the well. You have to go back. You have to keep going back for more because it doesn't satisfy. And Jesus says, I am the water, the living water, the true water that springs up to eternal life. Before she could hear Jesus, before she could receive him, Jesus had to expose what it is she's trying to fill that thirst with. Theologically, we call that repentance. It's recognizing what we're trying to put in place of God and giving up on it before we can actually receive God. And so the woman says, I perceive that you're a prophet. You, you know a lot about with me for somebody who's just met me. You must be a prophet. Um, we worship here at this mountain and you worship there. Tell me, what's the, the right way to worship? You know, it's, it's funny we recognize our need. When we recognize our thirst is not being satisfied for the things we're chasing in this world, we replace it not so much with the relationship with Jesus, but we can try to replace it with religion. Do I worship on this mountain or that mountain? Do we pray this way or that way? That we try to get the outward form of religion, of kind of conforming to God's law and saying, well, let me do this, that will satisfy. Let me make myself better and please God. And Jesus acknowledges there is a right way to worship. Jews worship in Jerusalem, they know the right way to do it. They're doing where it ought to be done. You're worshiping in a way you don't know. But he also pierces beyond that to say, but that's not what really matters. It's not the outward religion. It's not what the outward form, it's the inward relationship is what matters. It doesn't matter on this mountain or that mountain. The time is coming and it's now here because Jesus is here when you will worship not outwardly, but you worship in spirit and in truth. And you can worship in spirit and truth anywhere. Not in Jerusalem, not Gerizim, but also Covington, in your home, in your work, anywhere where you are with Christ because it's the relationship, not the outward forms. And so as we turn away, the temptation can be to do this, uh, fill that void also with religious practice and being religious. But what matters is spirit and truth, the relationship with the Father who seeks those who worship him. If you're thirsty, if you're longing, if you find yourself going back to the well, looking for something that will fill it, he is here. His name is Jesus. And he alone will satisfy the thirst that's deep in your soul. He is the one who says, I am the Messiah. We know when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus, the one who has told her all things, says, I who speak to you am he. It's 
fascinating. I, I just discovered this uh, as I was looking that there's probably a reference in this story to the story with Moses keeping the, uh, leading the people wandering in the wilderness. Um, they're in the wilderness and they're thirsty. And they're looking for Moses to provide for them. And you'll remember he goes and there's a rock. And God tells him to strike that rock. And we're told later that that rock is Christ. And from that rock, water springs forth and satisfies the people. It's fascinating because it's right around the story about the bronze serpent who was lifted up that he had just told Nicodemus. And then they come to a well where they're satisfied by God who leads them. And they sing the song, spring up, O well. Here is the Messiah. He is offered to you who thirst. For those of you who long and are worshiping anything else, he stands before you. He is the rock that was struck on our behalf. He was crucified for us that he might satisfy our thirst. Come to him and be filled. In Christ's name we pray. Lord, help us who thirst to be satisfied in Christ. Show us the deception of anything else that cannot fill us. Help us to trust in you and be satisfied. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.